Hi everybody, this is Lori Weaver. Welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 134. It's now been three years, two months, and 23 days since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And here we are up the mountain for the fourth week in a row since our reboot. Yay! And I braved the literal windstorm and some figurative windstorms to make it today. So batten down the hatches, and after we listen to our inspirational snippet of I'm Letting Go by Josh Woodward, I'll share what I'm letting go of today, and we'll send some extra positive thoughts and love to BC's Donnie and Rabbit. Then we'll hear a few BC comment reactions from last week's show from Donnie, Mary S., and Susie. We'll catch up with Sue from the UK about how she's been dealing with the loss of her father. And I'll read a snippet of the first blog post I've written since the reboot, all about the real meaning of discouragement and what to do with those well-worn paths. BC Mary S. goes on the bravery report for her voice message that she sent via SpeakPipe. And finally, I'll wrap up with some thoughts about intuitive eating, tracking, and all the things we tell ourselves. So stay tuned while we listen to Josh, and then I'll let you know what I'm gonna let go of today. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a history that never really grows. I'm letting go, I'm letting go. It's a silent wind that never really blows. I'm letting go. Thank you, Josh. I'm so grateful to have the chance to sit up here and ponder on the message of letting go and what letting go really means. I don't know about UBCs, but for me, part of my control issues in my compulsive mind is a strong tendency to enjoy the status quo. I don't like things to be unexpected. I don't really like things to change. Now, I know that I always like to have my body change and get smaller in the past. I like that, but I didn't like things around my life to change, hence the status quo. You know, and this week, even things far removed from me, like the loss of actress Erin Morant, who played Joni Cunningham on Happy Days, which was a show that began when I was in middle school and went clear till I was in college. I related to that character of Joni. She was only a couple of years younger than me. And the loss of Erin is just one more piece of my world that is different and it seems the older I get the more these pieces come flying out the window you know whether it's political figures or movie stars or close relatives like my mother or the ability that I have to hike up the mountain like I used to when I was younger just things change like when I think about it it's been over five years now since I unexpectedly retired from a corporate job. And going to a corporate job in downtown Los Angeles every single day had certain patterns to it, certain rhythms and rhymes of what I did and what I wore and what would happen and when you had your coffee break and going out to lunch and seeing your coworkers and developing those relationships and having social interaction every single day. Sometimes whether you like it or not but usually it was an overall experience. And there's a way that you speak in corporate America and there's a way that you carry yourself in corporate America that is completely different from voice acting or coming up a mountain and, and burying your soul for all to hear on a podcast. 
really, really different. And when Mark and I were first married, and that's over 20 years ago, people, we have, I think our 23rd anniversary is coming up, okay? When we were first married, we went all the time to Malibu and went body surfing on paddle boards and went hiking all over Southern California. And we went out with our buddies and our friends and we had people come over for poker night. And we did these things all of the time. And as we've gotten older, a lot of these things have kind of fallen away. You know, we have other interests or just, you know, physical things have happened or we just don't have the energy that we once did. But we do new things, right? But I know that every time one of these so-called losses or changes to the status quo happens to me, it rocks my world. I spend a lot of time and mental energy on wishing that things were different, like we talked about a few shows ago, that, oh man, I wish that hadn't happened. I wish we could still do this. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. I wish that my world could be predictable and relatable and I would know what to do. If everything around me would be static, then I could make the very best perfectionistic decision that would make the very best outcome. All these darn variables just keep flying around, you know? How do I know what's gonna happen? You know, it's like I read you a little bit of my answer to Mary S. a few shows back where I had done two back-to-back Body for Life challenges and I was used to going to the gym twice a day and I had a work with a trainer and I was in that gym all the time and I was eating very specific meals. When you're working on a bodybuilding type program, you eat very specific meals at certain times and everything is very, very regimented. Well, following that, I got what's called a frozen shoulder and it was terrible and I went from being extremely active and in that gym to not being able to move, literally, except for my physical therapy appointments, which were for three times a week. Geez, even Mark had to go with me to physical therapy so he could learn how to do these painful, painful physical therapy moves on me at home because my regimen went from, you know, building a physique to trying to get back my mobility and to not lose out. So I had to do physical therapy exercises at work. I had to schedule in my therapy when I was at home. Pretty much what I got to do was physical therapy. My eating went all over the place because I felt very sorry for myself. And going from being very physically active to not very physically active can do a real number on you. Especially when you have man, I don't like this and I'm hurting and I feel sorry for myself, robot aliens coming to visit you. So my self-esteem went from feeling good about my progress and what I was trying to achieve and feeling like one of the gym rats (laughs) to being like, who am I now? I'm just kind of a smushy, pudgy, back to square one corporate lady who struggles even to get to work who struggles to work on the computer long enough to get the database work done that I was hired to do. It seemed like my world was always going from A to Z, or A to Z, depending on what part of the English-speaking world you're from. And it was very hard to deal with. My bike accident, another example. There I was training to do my very first century, which is 100 miles of bike work. And I was riding up hills from the Pasadena Rose Bowl, and I was riding up hills in these, you know, mountains near our home. I was in great shape. 
I had done stuff like I was taking the bus to work instead of driving so that I could walk the two miles to the bus stop every day and back and build an exercise. I was doing everything I could to prepare my body to conquer this 100 miles. I had done a half century before, which is 50 miles, and I rode 50 miles on my 50th birthday around the big island of Hawaii. So this was my next big goal. I'm going to ride 100 miles. And I was all set. We'd saved the money, we had the time off, we'd been training, everything was all set. And something happened. In the case of my bike accident, I don't even get to know what happened because I have amnesia about it. All I know is that I was on my bike and I woke up in an ambulance and then a few hours later I woke up in a hospital and I still to this day have zero memory of what went down. All I know is I was found unconscious in the road and my bike on the other side of the road and I had all manner of physical problems which I'm not going to bore you with here. You can go back and <laughs> to other shows I talk about it. But again I went from super fit very clear specific goal specific plan my status quo was training getting ready and heading for this goal in fact when I woke up briefly in the ambulance Mark was there with me and my first question was is my bike okay <laughs> no I take that back my first question was honey am I going to die and he said I don't think so not no but I don't think so so I processed that, and my next question was, is my bike okay? Now, the EMT said, oh, don't worry about that. And I said kind of a swear word to them because that bike cost a lot of money. So I was very worried about my bike. That's what I was worried about was my bike. And then it dawned on me, huh, I'm in this ambulance. My bike is banged up. The century is only like a month or so away. I don't think I'm going to get to ride that century. Now you would think that not knowing for sure if you're going to die or not, not really knowing what happened, not even knowing who you are too well, you'd have other things on your mind other than the loss of the ability to ride a century. But that century was such my laser focus. It was my laser focus. It was what I was doing. It was my life that it felt like I was losing myself absolutely completely to lose that status quo. And it freaked me out. Now, a lot of things about that bike accident freaked me out and my recovery and the length of the recovery and leaving my job and all of the things related to it. Man, it shook up my world big time. It really did. It shook it up. But looking back from this view, I have a lot of things in my life that I wouldn't have had if my status quo had stayed the same. So let's say, okay, that accident never happened. And I went and I conquered that century and I remained in good shape and I went on to do other centuries. I would still be working in corporate America, most likely. I might be retired by now, but who knows? I don't think I would have been a podcaster I can guarantee you I probably would not have spent the time or energy to study voice acting. So I wouldn't have met any of the friends and colleagues that are so dear to me now in the voice acting world. I wouldn't probably have done compulsive overeating diary because I would have been laser focused on keeping that physique good <laughs> and perfection for riding my bike. So I would have still been in the world of eating plans and physical plans and 
my eating addictions would have been still in full force. I would not have let them go. I don't believe. Of course, we can't really know. We're not really in an alternate universe, as far as I know at this point, where I can know for a fact what would have happened if path B had occurred rather than path A. But all I know is sometimes changes to our status quo is a blessing and not the curse that it seems to be. Right now I've got a plane overhead, so I'm going to stop for a second. See, my status quo is even changing up here, all alone on the hiking hill. Darn planes. <laughs> See you in a sec. Okay, you know, I'm really happy that that plane went overhead because I stopped recording and a deer went running up the path right by me. So I was able to jump on this bench and watch it. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to capture a video of it, which I was hoping to do so I could post it on the website for you. But that was like an awesome, cool surprise. But if I hadn't stopped recording, I wouldn't have had the ability to jump on this bench so quickly and watch that deer in its natural habitat run up the mountain. That was an awesome sight. And what an awesome way to finish up today's topic about challenges to the status quo usually aren't something that we welcome. At least I don't, as I explained. I hate things to change. I hate things to be unexpected usually. But one of the things I'm trying to let go of is that resistance to change of the status quo. And I want to let the flow be my new normal. Before we move on, I wanted to send special thoughts and smooches to BC's Rabbit and Donnie, who both are facing some challenges lately. Here's your extra love. Mm -hmm. Please take a moment to send your encouragement to them too. Last week on day 133, we explored a new catchphrase to add to the end of any challenge. In other words, but I won't let that discourage me. And I've been challenging myself all this week to do exactly that. And I have to report that it has been helping me maintain more of a positive, powerful outlook. And another reason that I've been more positive is encouragement from Donnie. She writes on that day's show notes, I'm so glad you're really back, Lori. I too appreciate the things that create pondering in our own minds. You usually trigger something in my brain and I'm like, huh? Or aha. I hope you feel better letting go and getting new slash more activity again. Mary S. provides this comment to Donnie. I never knew of the show when it was being made, so I'm happy to meet the BCs I've listened to about now. Hi, Donnie. So glad it's back. And I said, Donnie, it is so awesome that I can always count on you. You make me laugh and feel so good on this crazy journey of ours. It should be fun to see where it leads this time. XOXOXO. After which, Susie writes, I just listened to episode 133. Oh, Lori, thank you for being so honest and vulnerable when you talk about how you were disappointed with yourself for regaining weight after a lot of emotional eating in response to your mom's death. I so just want to give you a big hug. So sorry for the loss of your mom. Your emotional eating is so understandable. Be gentle with yourself as you heal from your loss. Thank you for sharing your struggles and victories. Hearing your stories helps me be stronger in my times of struggle and also helps me to better recognize my victories. As many others have also said, listening to you makes me feel like I'm not all alone in my ongoing crazy-making struggle to find peace and balance with food and body acceptance. Thank you, Lori. 
love Susie. And I replied to Susie, and this also goes for all you BCs who took the time to comment or call. Susie, thank you so much for your kind support. I can already feel some of the emotional cloud lift as I have been keeping my appointment to hike and talk through my thoughts and feelings again with you. It is still a strange sort of miracle that we are all together, even though we are separated by hundreds or thousands of miles. It helps me to know that I'm not alone in my struggles or in my victories, and your comment reinforces the fact that we as people, and BCs, are wonderful, caring folk. Big smooches and love. I'm grateful for all your caring. XOXOXO. Also following day 133, Sue from the UK catches us up on her life lately and shares how she's been dealing with her grief from the loss of her father. Oh, Lori, big hugs. I know there are times when life just hits hard and I am learning to be understanding when I just haven't got the emotional reserves to be strong. I too have put the weight back on that I lost a few years ago. I have been on holiday to Italy and have only just returned. It was lovely to see my son and daughter-in-law who are now working in Sicily. Although I was able to access the podcast late at night, commenting on them was more difficult to achieve. However, I did find that I was identifying with your loss and had an extremely vivid dream one night that my dad had suddenly appeared at their house and there was an emotional reunion. Certainly, the grief hit home more strongly way after the funeral. It is a confusing process, and my heart goes out to you. When the pain hits, I try and roll with the wave rather than resist it. I hope that sharing about your loss helps you. We are ready to listen, XXX. Well, Sue, I have to tell you, I had a dream about my mom also. And it was a little bit upsetting to me because she was standing there looking at me. And first I said, Mom, you're alive? And then the tears were rolling down her face. So I was very upset, like, why is my mom unhappy? And it kind of bothered me. And it still kind of bothers me a little bit that I have that thought. But it just lets me know that I have more things to deal with and more things to process. And I have trust that my mom, wherever she is, is at peace and knows how much I love her. After last week's show about discouragement, I really pondered on the meaning of that word and was inspired to write a blog post. Here's the first bit of it. It's titled, Pondering Discouragement on the Well-Worn Path. And it begins, Do you ever take words for granted? After listening to last week's episode, it struck me how the meaning of the word discourage is really all about whether or not we have courage. So I looked up the entry of its prefix, dis, D-I-S, on dictionary.com. And it says, dis, a Latin prefix meaning apart, asunder, away, utterly, or having a privative, negative, or reversing force. Hmm. So, if dis reverses the main word, then disinterest is the same as not having interest, disbelief is the same as not having belief, and discourage is then not having courage. Why, Lori, is this English lesson helpful? Because I think for many of us, bumps in the road cause us to embrace discouragement without examining its true meaning, and we give up on ourselves, our dreams, our goals. Being discouraged can turn into an automatic avoidance of risk. If we assume we will fail and we assume it won't matter, then it is hard to take action. We don't like how it feels to fail. Who would? And it is true we cannot control the results of our actions, 
But I tell you, we can 100% control our courage to take action. You don't have to be perfect, great, talented, wonderful, or any of that to be brave. All it takes is the decision to be true to you and to do something about it. Later on in the blog post, I think about how letting other people's opinions outweigh our own contributes to our struggle to become more brave and authentic. This tussle between giving in to discouragement and keeping my courage rings true with things in my life other than food, from learning to be a teacher to acting to keeping my house in order. I find myself not trusting myself, and I keep looking up tips, tricks, methods, or teachers to show me the way. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting feedback and learning from others. It's often a very valuable way to progress. But when we allow the opinions of others to dictate our hearts, it is very hard to have true courage. I believe courage comes from within, and fostering ways to listen to our own hearts is how we become more brave. I think part of why we with eating issues are so prone to people-pleasing, close or not believing our own hearts are worthy as is. We don't trust ourselves, and if we need something, we see it as selfish. But our hearts are part of that still small voice that speaks to us. Later on, I ask myself, but what if I'm not certain? That's where we fall on the well-worn path. Many times in all of my diet slash binge career, I have eaten mindlessly or in response to social cues, also in response to negative emotions. This is my well-worn path. Can we make a new path? Yes. Every time we make a choice, we are building a new well-worn path to fall back on. The tricky part for me making a new path with intuitive eating is that there can be times when I really do want the food as food and times when I am falling into habits and discouragement. I have gone on vacation and eaten some items that normally I would not, yet felt fine about it. I have also had amounts of the same thing after an emotional disappointment and felt like the biggest failure on the planet. It is all about how I interpret the choices and not choosing is a choice. That's why I think it's important to not be discouraged. We do not have to let any event, eating or otherwise, take our inner courage from us. There are more thoughts and ponderings in this blog post, but I'll leave a link to it on today's show notes if you'd like to read it in its entirety for yourself and read what other BCs have said in its comments and comment with your thoughts. And, or on that topic, if you'd like to be notified by email every time a new blog post or podcast episodes go live so you can be in the know and participate in the comments too, there's a widget for that on compulsiveovereatingdiary.com called subscribe to post via email. It's up in the top right if you're looking on your computer. It's the first widget when you scroll past the episodes if you're on your phone. And that's what BC Mary S. did to stay current while she works her way through the older shows. And this week, BC Mary goes on the bravery report for calling via SpeakPipe with some of her reactions after day 133, and she shares some of her challenges that she's had since injuring her foot. This is Mary S., and yes, you can use my name, and um, I just wanted to send you a voice message um, as a comment to your last episode. Plus, I just listened to what I think was episode 98. And I've done a lot of thinking over the past couple of days. And one thing that you said in your last episode was choose what day-to-day serves you best. And if it brings you joy and peace, cool. If it brings you pain and chaos, maybe not so cool. And, you know, I was thinking about that. And about three days ago, I thought to myself, what would 
give me something right now because with the whole foot thing, which is ridiculous, you know, I'm just feeling a little down and I was trying to figure out like, what's the big deal? So you can't work out right now. There's been times in your life you didn't work out at all because you didn't care. And I used to, I used to drink and smoke and like six and a half years ago, I quit everything and, you know, started working out and being more healthy. And obviously I've hurt myself three times since then and have been in PT. So I always think, boy, oh boy, you quit drinking and smoking and look what happens. (laughs) And I thought long and hard about it. And I said, you know what? I have just been shoving food in my face like 24 seven and been like, whatever, it's okay. I'm going to comfort myself with this. And it's, you know, I thought it's got to stop. It's not making me happy. It is not bringing me joy. It's not bringing me peace to eat whatever I want. And, you know, after you do that so long, you almost forget like how much you should eat in a day and what you should eat. And it's been going on for like five months and I've just slipped into some really bad habits. And when I started the more intuitive eating thing, I wasn't hurt. Things were easier. Things were going well. I was happy all the time. And right now they're just not. So I decided I'm going to be brave and I'm going to admit to all the BCs. I have decided to track my food for now. And it's been like three or four days. And I told myself this, I said, you can eat whatever you want. Just track it. Just be cognizant of what you're doing. And I thought, oh my gosh, should I be doing this? Like I'm I'm backtracking here. Is this going to hurt my self-esteem? But you know what? After the last four days, it's done. It's made me realize how much I was turning to food instead of dealing with my issues. Like, you know, when I'm heading to the cupboard and I'm not even really hungry, And I have to like put it down a piece of paper and maybe be cognizant. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to the cover to comfort myself instead of figuring out what's wrong with me and taking the appropriate steps. So it has helped me in that regard, which I thought was interesting. Tracking my foods actually helping what? So, um, I just want to say you rereading your comment, you know, it made me cry again because it was so good to feel not alone. So thank you so much for your comment and telling me your story about your frozen shoulder. And I will say, I remember when your mom was passing and I think I shot you a message on the Facebook page or something, but I feel for you lady, because I can't imagine what that's like at all. That's really, that's something really hard to deal with. And you know what? Give yourself some grace. It sounds like you have and that you've picked yourself up a little bit, but it doesn't mean that every day is going to be fine just now, you know, now that you've picked yourself up a little bit, you know, so just make sure on the toughest of days, give yourself some grace. How funny we can say that so easily to each other, but we can't say it to ourselves sometimes, right? And last but not least, your angry episode, I think it was episode 98. I just want to say thank you for all that because my husband said last night he had gained 10 pounds in the past five years. I must be nice. I've gained like 25 in the past year. And he goes, yeah, Mary, but you're hurt. Why would anybody think you're going to like lose weight or maintain your weight when you're an active woman and you're hurt for five months? And I thought, wow, why did I not even think of that? Hello, Grace. So anyway, I just wanted to pass those comments on to you. Love the podcast. Love that you're back. And thank you for sharing your life with us because you don't know how much you're making a difference, even to the BCs that never comment. Love you, Lori. Bye. Thanks, Mary, for being so brave. And thanks, too, for wishing me grace in the context of my loss. I'm glad you were able to do what's best for you and not let tracking boss you around. Lately, I've been thinking about tracking a lot. 
I had to track for a few months last year so my angel doc could review my diet from a GI detective perspective when I had my mysterious gut troubles, which thank goodness and angel doc I no longer have. It was hard for me to go back to food journaling, but for some reason, since I wasn't trying to lose weight, it was fine. And having to get weight all of the time at the doctors back then kind of got me over the scale, meaning anything other than a number. My weight fluctuated like crazy, whether I was eating or not. And as I said last time, now I can track food if need be and not go crazy about it. It was kind of like the year prior was a scale and tracking fast that rebooted my compulsive brain away from giving either of those much meaning. I guess that was a good side effect and blessing for my intuitive eating adventure. How about you, BCs? What is tracking like for you? Does it get into your brain? Does it help you? Is it a neutral? Is it still something that can cause you to go crazy? What do you think? If I've learned anything over the past year, it's to let go of saying never. And as I've said in the letting go segment, the only thing that's sure to stay constant is all of the change in our lives and a change to the status quo. By the way, I'll leave a link on today's show notes for those who may be curious about my rant that Mary refers to from day 98. This was a blog post too, so you can read it for yourself if you've a mind to. So BCs, until next time, may the flow be with you and take care because I really, 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 really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. Inside my skin And by the dawn